I'm Melinda Poitras, and you're listening to He Said, She Said, The One with Books and Bros. This is the one about the lack of a bro, actually, so buckle up. Here's what's happening. Mother's Day is coming up, and Mother's Day is a day where I have been, and Lord willing, will continue to be privileged to speak to women. It's a beautiful, wonderful, really hard day. It's hard because my spirit soaks up the feelings in a room, and it's hard because I'm not a mom. It's glorious, too, because God is glorious, and all his girls are glorious in any season. Here, three days before Mother's Day is upon us, I know that I need to share these from 2018, and honestly, I don't love that. I didn't love them when I wrote them, although I am grateful today that some of the things I'm referencing have gotten a lot easier. I struggled with writing them in the first place, but the Lord said he wanted me to talk about singleness so people will eventually listen to me about marriage. And he hasn't changed his mind, though also little else has changed since 2018. So here's a series in three parts, which I titled Seriously Single. It's about being a single woman, but there's something in here for you, even if you aren't single or a woman. Seriously single part one, never enough. Disclaimer, I am a fan of the institution of marriage. I love my married friends, my married mom, my married mentors, and my cousin and sister who are about to be married. I hope every single person on this planet finds someone to walk beside and build a life with. Yay, marriage. Go, married people. Thanks for being such an important pillar in the community of Christ. Love you all. Imagine, if you will, pom-poms and streamers and fireworks. The flags are waving and the sparklers are sparkling for you, my wonderful married people. I salute and honor you, your gorgeous spouses, your beautiful children, and your cuddly grandchildren. But this blog is not about you. Don't be shocked by that. I'm telling you up front. Tom and Brenda sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes Brenda with a baby carriage. Do we even pay attention to the narratives we mindlessly perpetrate? How old are Tom and Brenda? Do their parents know where they are? Why are they in a tree? Are they attempting to escape an animal predator? Were they rescuing a kitten when they got distracted? Have they considered that climbing up into a tree actually increases their chance of exposure to wandering eyes and gossiping tongues? Why does the kissing come first? Someone jump on the organ. How quickly are they headed for marriage? Why do we automatically assume it will be Brenda pushing the carriage? Are Tom and Brenda aware that they are not the only people on the planet right now? Control yourselves. Tom and Brenda, a stranded kitten, depends on you. Cultural narratives. Just because we don't think about them, call them out, or acknowledge them, doesn't mean they aren't there. Tracy Ellis Ross gave a poignant speech about this. It is poignant, not perfect. I do not agree with every syllable of it. If you Google it, there will be language. Hashtag disclaimer. She talked about how society is perpetually reiterating this narrative. Husband plus child equals woman. Husband plus child equals woman. She's not wrong. It's hard to go to dinner, read a book, watch a movie, see a billboard, visit a museum, or navigate society with any measure of emotional health unless you constantly guard against the feeling that as a woman, you will always be a third of a person until you have those other two components. Without them, no matter what you do, you're just never enough. I've had friends that made me feel that way. I've heard songs that made me feel that way. I've sat through sermons that have done more to perpetuate that philosophy than anything society has ever said. And I know I'm supposed to take society with a grain of salt. The preach word from the pulpit seems a little more profound, a little harder to ignore. I'm Melinda. It's just me reading underneath a tree. 
It's not just me, though. Y'all are out there, and I know it. Reading under a tree, taking care of other people's babies under a tree, giving everyone advice about their love lives under a tree, feeding the homeless, running a business, starting a charity, getting a degree, administrating an office, crafting sermons, going on missions trips, writing books, composing lyrics, branding cows, serving coffee, seeking wool and flax, and working willingly with your hands. Some of y'all have gone and chopped the whole tree down and built a student outreach center with it. I know this. You're out there doing the work of three people, going to bed by yourself at night, crying yourself to sleep because you feel like a third of a person. Let me tell you something. The 31st chapter of Proverbs would be a lot shorter if the most important thing in life were having a husband, husband, <laughs> having a husband, I cannot, and popping out babies. I mean it. It does not say she married her husband and gave birth to some children and that somehow magically set her apart from everyone else who also had a husband and gave birth to some children. I had been discussing singleness with a friend of mine, and the conversation had moved on to my telling her how I'd visit a Sunday school class in another state. The class had been using my book, and the teacher was telling me how every time he read it, he was struck with the realization that the words weren't just for the kids, but for him as well. He said, I mean, I have chills right now just talking about it. And I said to her, and I just couldn't help thinking, and she interrupted me and said, this moment would mean so much more if I were married. Her point was well taken. No, no, that is not what I was thinking. That would be ridiculous. But I do think like that often, if not all the time. Maybe you do too. It isn't founded and it is ridiculous. Even if you haven't seen The Greatest Showman, it's doubtful you've escaped hearing the song Never Enough. It's breathtaking. Look it up if you haven't. And for sure, look up Natalie Grant's Instagram version because wow. The lyrics say, because darling, without you, all the shine of a thousand spotlights, all the stars that fill the night sky will never be enough, never be enough. Towers of gold are still too little. These hands could hold the world and it'll never be enough. Never be enough for me. Never. Never. It's wonderful. I love it. There's only one thing wrong with it. Your darling, when you have one, they'll never be enough either. I know it's not romantic, but it's true. All the love in the world will never actually be enough for you. When you get the husband, you'll want the house. And when you get the house, you'll want the baby. And when you get the baby, you'll just want some sleep or to go back in time to a place where you could find the house you wanted so badly under all the laundry from the baby and the husband. You will never be satisfied outside of Christ. You won't, I promise. It will never be enough. And until you realize he is enough, you won't ever feel like you're enough either. There are two and only two components of being a whole person. You plus God equals whole. You know, Tracy Ellis Ross, she also says that she came to the realization, my life is mine. I understand where she's coming from and what she's getting at, but our lives, they do not belong to us. They belong to the Lord. The ultimate goal in every season is to give him glory. And every season, every season can be glorious if you let him make it so. Let him be enough because he is. And when he's enough, you'll find that you are too. Seriously Single, part two, always a bridesmaid. Let's not pretend it doesn't hurt. One of my sweet friends turned to me in a bowling alley and she said, when are you doing a series on singleness? Is it all okay? Is that what it's going to be about? Is it all okay? Sometimes it isn't. I mean, she eventually met the love of her life and married him across the Canadian border during a COVID. So it was in fact more than okay for her, but sometimes it isn't. I think the greatest gift I could give her and you is to state that honestly. Will it all be okay? For sure. Is it okay right now? Sometimes. But sometimes it isn't. 
It really, really, really isn't. And you can take it to the prayer room and dress the wound with scripture and choke the medicine down with ice cream and wear your best smile and your brightest clothes and love the Lord with all your sweet little cotton picking, heel wearing, gumbo making heart and it will actually still not be okay. Hear me. That's okay. You can be so happy for everyone else that your heart threatens to burst and so sad for you it threatens to quit on you and not at all okay and that's okay it hurts enough weddings happen and that always a bridesmaid phrase can get tattooed straight into your ego so i called my hyphen pastor's wife and i informed her that we would be having an honest conversation people need to know by the way where you're actually at it's super important whatever the truth is tell it not in a facebook status not in a public announcement to everyone you know but pick someone trustworthy and tell them the truth in this conversation i said to her this phrase which is great but i didn't want a ministry i wanted a marriage well, I went there. There are places locked up inside of you that you might not ever visit. But if you don't go there, you don't take the Lord with you there. And he wants into all of the places. You need him in all of the spaces. Because I went there, he went there too. And we had some discussions and the conversation went something like this. Did you tell Larissa that you didn't want a ministry, you wanted a marriage? I did. Interesting. Why? You don't agree with that? Do you even agree with that? Not every day, probably not. I actually don't think I would trade my gifts or calling for anything when it comes down to it. But think about it. I wasn't sitting around dreaming about ministry as a child. You weren't. Why don't you look back again? And when he said that, he took me there. He brought me back to that little girl. You know what I saw? Someone who played dress up all the time. She lined all of her stuffed animals up in a row and took them to church. When they got there, she sang, she took up the offering, she preached the sermon, she gave the altar call, she prayed through, she prayed everyone else through. Her hands were always full. She held fake microphones where she sang power ballads and preached sermons. She held pens and pencils where she took people's orders and wrote novels and poems and plays. She held baby dolls which she cared for efficiently and tenderly. She set up spas in her living room and gave all of her friends pedicures and foot massages. She hosted a fake funeral at least once a week. She built Barbie worlds and took photos and hosted tea parties and baked cake and used the good dishes when she did it. And that little girl, she was just like me. And I noticed something interesting about her. She staged play weddings a lot. The child had a wedding almost weekly. She planned the menu. She made the seating chart. She picked out the outfit. She took the pictures. She officiated the ceremony and she got dressed up and carried a bouquet of flowers like a boss. She was 100% in charge of the show and she made one of her friends or her tiny cousin, the bride, every single time. That's right. Even then, I was always a bridesmaid. You are you, you know. You are you right now, by yourself or with someone, engaged or married. You are uniquely you. I can only imagine the joy that comes with marriage, but there is joy here. And 29-year-old Melinda, she's still doing everything four-year-old Melinda loved to do. She's actually only ever getting better. And so is her life. And this season, the one where two of my closest are having weddings mere days apart, I love it. That is the truth. I literally love it because I don't have to be in love with someone to be in love with my life. I'm still a bridesmaid. And I'm still me. They say wherever you go, there you are. I've seen enough people get married and know they wake up the next morning with the same temperament, same disposition, same passions, dreams, and callings they went to bed with the night before. If they've married right, all of those things are enhanced. Sometimes those things are diminished, but they are always still themselves, who God made them to be. We're his bride every day, after all. 
So here's what I do. I pray this verse over myself every morning. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Psalm seventeen fifteen. When I need to go be by myself, I go sit somewhere by myself. When I need to cry, I cry. When I get angry, I allow myself to be angry. I also love my life, laugh long, and put the party in wedding party. I do that pretty well, actually. I always have. You know what I really think? I think he's out there. I believe it for you. I believe it hard. I believe it for me, too. I do. I mean, I might make biscuits from a bag, but I make my gravy from scratch. And good gracious to gravy, there is no reason someone should be living without that for the rest of his life. I digress. I do believe it, though. That's what I really think. It's okay in the end. It is okay in the end. Someone is coming for you. One day you'll wake up and you'll be sharing your life with someone. It's probably best, though, then, that when you do, you actually have a life to share. So get out there and host some fake funerals or something. Love the life you've got. I'll bet the life you've got is an awful lot. Seriously Single, part three of Promises Not Present and Girls Who Believe. I was never going to write this in this way. I now know this is the only way to write it. The Christmas of 2016, my heart was completely broken. I mean it. It was broken to bits. I was broken to bits. Worse than any emotional pain I could have possibly been experiencing was the ever-present and burning reality that I, had I been smarter, would not have been experiencing any pain at all. The constant internal dialogue was as follows. Congratulations on being too fascinating to let go of while simultaneously being too much to commit to. Also, none of this would be happening if you hadn't been so stupid. I was reading a book about Sarah when the Lord spoke to me. As clearly as I have heard him speak anything in my life, as certainly as I have witnessed insider information he has ever let me in on proved to be true, I heard him. I needed to write down the date. In one year's time, we would know exactly who my husband was. He would be on the scene. Paths were crossing. I believed this without question. I wrote it down quietly, but I believed it loud. 2017 was a full year, but it was void of anxiety about this topic, trips and trials, youth congress and conference. It was fine. Yes. Did the specific event that I had felt kind of strongly about come and go? Sure. Was I by myself in a sea of coffee dates and text message analysis and wedding after wedding after wedding? Yes. I didn't care though, because I wouldn't be alone for long. Christmas was coming. Christmas came. My sister brought her boyfriend home to spend the holiday with our family. I brought the book with me. And even in those final days, I was confident because I knew what I had heard. The day passed. Nothing. I would love to write for you. Another story. Literally any other story. I'm actually open to almost any alternative plot line. Melinda doesn't have to get married and have seven children. She doesn't. Melinda can move to Uganda and raise orphans in a hut. Melinda could get her doctorate in English literature. Melinda could write books in Brazil or teach in Ghana or become a professional shopper. I don't know how to adequately explain to you how painfully aware of all my flaws I am and how incredibly open I am to being happy and content and to let the dream die. Father in heaven, I wish I could communicate to you how much I want to just let the dream die. To hear him say, that's not for you. Get over it. So I can get over it. But that's not what he said. And that's not what he's saying. And I tell you, I had heard him say to write that date down in the same way I've ever heard him say anything else. And I believed it. 
with every fiber of my being. And when it didn't happen, I questioned everything about myself, about his plans, about our relationship. As a side note, let me express, I can buy my own coffee, but when what I have going on with Jesus is not working, that is a problem. I questioned everything. And for the first time in a long time, I wanted to die. It's not cute. It's not catchy. You can't put it on a trendy feminist poster, but it's the truth. I wanted to die. If I couldn't hear God accurately, if there was no end to the waiting in sight, if I was just going to be stuck in an endless cycle of other people getting exactly what I wanted, while all I got was the privilege of getting them more gifts, life could go ahead and end. I was pretty sure that I could happily worship God for all eternity without having to buy a new dress or RSVP or like anyone else's Instagram photos to do it. And I repeat, this did not have to be the dream I was chasing. This did not have to be the hope that my heart harbored. I would have been happy to race toward a prize I had any control over. A prize which wasn't in any way attainable. I heard right, so what went wrong? Unlike my teen years, the darkness only lasted three days. The Lord spoke clearly to that to me and two of my closest friends and mentors when I finally let them know what was going on confirming what he was already speaking to me and thanks to that the ache became easier to bear it dissipated but did not dissolve it remained in the back of my mind quietly mocking me so it was that in the quiet of a hotel room at missouri ladies conference i looked one of my precious friends in the eye and said i just don't believe he can do it i believe he'll do it for everyone else in my life but he will not do it for me it was not cute it was not catchy i don't think it was even all that christian but it was the truth I didn't believe I couldn't have if I tried. I just didn't have it in me anymore. And I was thankful because it would be easier not to hope. The next service, there was a powerful move of God. Towards the end, I was sitting on the floor with my back to the wall when my sweet Haley came and sat down next to me. You'll know immediately what a moment this was because of the insider information provided in the previous paragraphs. But Haley, she hadn't heard. She sat close. She held my hand. She looked straight into my eyes and she said, God has told you recently that he cannot lie. You know he cannot lie. Every promise in his word, you can mark it down. It came to pass. Every promise he has given throughout history, it has come to pass. He has shown himself faithful throughout all generations. He is a promise performer. He is a good father. And that does not stop just shy of Melinda Poitras. God's promise is coming, Melinda. It is coming straight for you. I knew exactly what she was talking about. And so I think did she. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Psalm 84, 11. It's 1.20 a.m. when I write this. I've been crying. I see or rather do not see all of my prospects. I am painfully aware, as previously mentioned, of each and every one of my horrific, overpowering, disqualifying flaws. Someone asked me if I liked someone the other day, and I said, These days, it's more like people I would not hit in the face with a frying pan if they approach me and people who need to not. It wasn't cute or catchy, but, and you're probably getting the picture by now, it was the truth. But here are a few things I know. If it is good for me, I've either got it or it's on its way. If it is good, I have got it, or it is on its way. I taught a Sunday school class one time where I remarked how Abraham, in that story about Abraham and Sarah, also laughs. God lets Abraham in on it first, and Abraham laughs. The men in the class said that Abraham's laugh was not one of disbelief. Actually, the word says, he laughed and said to himself, will the son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. 
He states reasons why it's implausible. He bargains for the son he's already got. Sorry, fellows, sounds like doubt to me. But when Sarah laughs, she's called out. Why? I'm not a scholar, but here's what I think. It's one thing for someone else to doubt God's hand in your life. It's another thing entirely when you doubt it yourself. The miracle wasn't happening in Abraham. The miracle was happening in her. Where does that leave us? Where does that leave me? I don't know. We're not automatically promised a husband, of course, but the Lord has let me into too much info about the man for me to pretend that he doesn't exist. We must hold on to God's promise that we have said we believed and we must never let go. He has promised and he will do it. Hebrews ten twenty three. Say it now. Say it loud. Say it before you see it. In a time when names were so significant, a time when Abraham would have been meeting new people almost every day, it is no coincidence that he had to say it. My name is father of many. Cool, cool. How many kids you have, Abraham? None. I am father of many. Day after day after day, when all traceable data clearly concluded he was the father of none, he would say it. I am father of many. I don't know the end of my story, but I know this. The word is already there. The destination I will reach eventually, the word is there already, camped out. I stood next to Sarah during altar call on our church platform. Sarah had struggled with fertility issues for a long time. In fact, I gave Sarah that same book about the biblical Sarah on Mother's Day of 2017. We were told to pray over each other for the miracle we knew the other needed, so we did. I prayed as hard as I've ever prayed in my life. Then I heard the words, dance like it's already happened. So I did. We didn't know it at the time, but Sarah... She was pregnant that day. It had already happened. In December, we will hold that baby in our hands. There were two of us on that platform. Two of us shared that moment. And before we hold the miracle, we hold the promise. It would be great if this were a story about my finding a life mate. It would be okay if this story were about me being awesome without one. In fact, writing this blog was a struggle because I happen to think you can definitely be awesome without one. And that's a lot more fun to write about. I'd rather a yes or no and to move on with my life, but that is not the story the Lord wants to tell with my heart and my hope and my hands. He wants to tell the story of a woman who believed. When the Lord has promised you something, you can hold on to that promise. Mark it down. It's happening. That is either true or it is not. And if it is true, then it is true for me. Me, Melinda Denae Poitras, the writer, the warrior, the wife. So for now, that's what I do. I hold on to the promise and I shop online. I shop online a lot while I can, just in case my husband is more thrifty than I am. So there's that. You've been listening to He Said, She Said, where whether we actually got around to discussing any books or chatting with any bros or not, we are, now and always, so glad you stopped by to listen. We hope your time here cemented the truth found in the best book ever written and deepened your relationship with a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Thank you for pressing play. Thank you for making space. We'll catch you next week, same time, same place.